Welcome to the Bad Soccer Dad Podcast, where we're asking, why do our attempts to bring out the best in young athletes often bring out the worst in parents? And what would it take to flip the script? Join us each week as we seek to develop better parents, better athletes, and better conversations. Here's your host, Steve Norman. My conversation this week is with Chip Huber, the Associate Vice President for Student Development and Athletics at Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Chip and I met over 20 years ago, and he's been an inspiration to me ever since as a leader and a parent. Let's jump into the podcast. So, Chip, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, what sports did you play when you were a kid? Oh, played, kind of lived in that era, Steve, of playing them all, you know, and grew up playing all of them and then played baseball, soccer, basketball in high school. Played one year of baseball in college okay. in Minnesota, and it was way too cold at that point to keep playing in the spring in Minnesota. <laughs> like six inches of yeah, snow exactly. in preseason. Then you yeah. shovel, the, shovel the infield That's off awesome. and then get out there, but then played soccer all the way through in college. Okay. And what, what role did your parents play in your sports journey? You know, my parents um, were really supportive but not over the top, actually, okay. Steve. It was it was the drive, you know, drive you to the games. Yep. Talk a little bit afterward, but they were not into it at the level of a lot of maybe you know the bad soccer dad kind of vibe yeah. or whatever. It was more, hey, we know you love doing this. Have a great time. And my dad had been a really successful college athlete. Okay. But that didn't translate really to. I never felt a ton of pressure at all from him. Like. Like, that was the thing he was really most concerned about with me. What did your dad do right in that whole kind of era of your life? You know, I think my dad was willing to just communicate and get to know me outside of sports, I think, too. I think so often, you know, kind of living in this world of athletics for the last, you know, what, 30 years, I think I see sort of this fixation sometimes on that athletics piece where it's like that just sort of trumps everything else yeah and my dad just sort of was like hey that's important and it matters and we both really enjoy that but there's a lot of other things to talk about and so he always made me feel comfortable in particular that he knew me he cared about everything else that was going on in my life and really encouraged me I think to do other things in addition to you know, sort of the, I almost was too, I think, personally obsessed with athletics and sports. Okay. That's all I thought about. That's okay. all I wanted to do growing up. Yeah. And I actually, I think my parents in particular, and really my dad pushed me to say, hey, there's a lot more to life. Because he, he had gone through the process of playing baseball at a high level, thinking about going to a tryout professionally. Okay. You know, that whole, but realized like, hey, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And so I think he had that perspective that really helped. There's a lot of other things in life worth chasing as well, in addition to this this sports piece. Sure. Chip, were there any moments where you had like a character conversation or a life lesson post-game, pre-game, pre-tryout conversation <laughs> oh, with yeah. your dad? I mean, there was a moment, it was interesting. So I think the first time, or one of the first times he came, they lived a long way away from where I was in college. So they didn't okay. see me play a lot in college. and. You know, there was a moment where um, <laughs> I was pretty aggressive in college, okay. in particular with one other guy on a team or whatever. And I think my mom was just, you know, I think I looked, the ref wasn't looking. I whacked a guy with an elbow or whatever, sort of, you know, that kind of thing. And my mom was just appalled and she's like, what has my son turned into? But I remember having, 
you know, kind of some post-game conversation later with my dad about just that reality of like, hey, what does it mean to continue like you're you're talking you're on sort of this track to maybe do ministry someday yeah you know to invest your life in other people you're bent that way so where does kind of the athletics piece fit in there and yeah this competitive sort of fire that sort of gets released how does that get harnessed how does that get channeled in the right way and what does it mean to be a follower of christ on the field in addition to you know other spaces and places in your life and what were your thoughts or reflections coming away from that conversation? You know, and I think that sort of Steve, in a in a in a cool way, that was a pivotal small moment that I think started that internal conversation for me. And that's something that literally I'm passionate about to this day. Yeah, is sort of I think trying to help young athletes in particular sort of understand and believe that hey, this faith in sports, this character development and sports thing, it actually fits together. And that these two things actually can really make a difference in your life going forward. I think I think one of the things that I've heard, and most of us have heard all of our lives, if you're in athletics, is like, oh, athletics is good. It helps develop character, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's, it's interesting being in the academic world a little bit more. You have access sometimes to research, and there's... You know the Center for Ethics that talks that does these long-term research, and I started reading that, and it was like the better athlete you are, typically, actually your moral character in the long run doesn't really develop. Really, it typically gets worse. What's the at a high level? What's the and theory I, behind and it? The theory behind it is that the, you are pushed to be so competitive and win at all costs that at times it just begins to actually sort of shape in a negative way sort of your internal moral compass because you're so consumed and so pushed oftentimes that the result is what matters what happens in the process of the game doesn't really matter as long as the result comes in and you get to the next team you get the win all those kinds of things and and clearly there's some good stuff that happens obviously i love athletics in terms of teamwork and dealing with failure and all those things that we all talk about but I think there's also a piece where we have to be careful. And for me, that's been a really helpful piece to think about all the time and kind of being involved in the world of high school and college athletics in particular. Like, are we really helping our young athletes to become people of character in this process? Or are we giving them a mindset that says, hey, ultimately, winning is so important, it matters so much, making the next team, whatever it is, that it ultimately damages their character development rather than encouraging it. That's a, it's, that's a heavy, a, it's heavy, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it's an intense observation. I had a friend who was a, a pro sports chaplain for a while, and he said a lot of times the athletes that he would work with, he goes, were incredibly gifted in their field. He, but he made this observation, he goes, but emotionally, psychologically, he's like, they're almost trapped in like a middle school adolescent totally. mentality. He goes, because as soon as their talent, as soon as they were yeah. identified as being prodigies, people came around them, kind of protected them, coddled them, made yeah. decisions for them, uh, made sure that there weren't negative ramifications yeah. for them if they were underperforming academically. Sometimes you'll hear horrific stories about parents who will intervene uh, when kids break the law yeah. or whole school districts right. will intervene for right. kids when they get in trouble with the law. And to your point, yeah, there's no shortage of case studies that show, hey, acad- uh, athletic excellence and excellent character aren't necessarily correlated. Yeah. So Chip, talk about what it was like to be an AD at a Christian institution because I went to uh, 
Christian Liberal Arts College yeah. and um, did not play sports there, but played intramurals. And if you ever wanted to see like an, an outbreak of bad character, <laughs> go, go, go to a Christian undergrad no intramural doubt, basketball right? game. No like, doubt. I, I could play with like pagans. Yeah. That pick up ball. No doubt. And, and the meanest streets that you could come up with and have people be more kind and respectful yeah. than. And I was in that environment. Oh yeah, you bet. I was one of those guys. Played in high school, played intramurals in college, and that was the end game, right? But yeah, uh, you know, it. I think being an athletic director and and sort of jumping into that world was what ultimately provided a really great opportunity, and I loved it because we were in a unique situation to say, hey, in this highly competitive world of college athletics, that is so important for. Enrollment so important for sort of the public face a lot of times of universities, all those things. How do we have an opportunity to be distinctly different yeah. as a Christian institution? And, what, yeah. and the challenge of that was, you know, I, I think we talked a lot about this idea of, like, can we be an and institution? Can we be athletically really competitive? Yeah. But can we model in our character and how we live out our faith, even in the cauldron or the context of athletics, something very different or whatever, you know? And that was, I think, probably the greatest challenge in, in collegiate athletics is to do that and to do both of those and do those well. Because I think people tend to think oftentimes you almost have to go one way or the other. Right. You know, and, and for us it was really unique because most of the other teams in our conference don't come from the same faith-based tradition. Okay. So for us there was even a little bit of a spotlight on us, right? Where people are saying, hey, we know you're the Christian institution. We know you can't, your athletes aren't supposed to do certain things. You're not supposed to talk certain ways. And the challenge was, could we live up to those sort of expectations and even our own standards that that we had set apart? So Chip, talk about that because when you're an AD, you have a bunch of different teams that fall under your purview. How do you develop a, a, a brand of what you want a Christ-following athlete at your school to look like when you've got different coaches, different athletes, different perspectives that are represented when yeah. you come to the table. How do you how do you try to steer a big ship right. in the same direction or a fleet of small ships in the yeah. same direction? And I think, you know, it makes such a huge difference, right? I think in starting in the process of who you bring in. And for us, it was being really clear, even in the recruiting process, I think, to our student-athletes, like, hey, this is our distinctive... Yeah. As a Christian, you know, community, we believe that sports is different, that you can do different things with it, that it means something different to us rather than just the result or the win. Um, I think it makes a huge difference. Honestly, our coaches make all the difference in the world, okay. right? Those are the people that carry out the mission. Yeah. So as an AD, your job is to sort of lay out the mission, cast the vision, support, try and be this great cheerleader, resources, all those kinds of things. But it's empowering training. So for me, it meant how do I resource? How do I lead? How do I expose our coaches to materials and resources and maybe book studies, all yeah. those kinds of things that help them to carry out this mission of being a Christian college coach? And then ultimately, hopefully, seeing their student athletes become disciples, leaders, the kind of men and women that we want to put out in the world for our institutional mission of changing the culture in the name of Jesus and using athletics as that platform to help do that. So the coaches, you know, those are such, such important people in the lives of these student athletes during the college experience. Who's a coach if you had a chance to work with who you feel like is as close as you can get to doing it right? Yeah. Um, 
we recently had one of our, our baseball coach was just named like the conference champion of character. Okay. And, um, you know, I love watching him. He's, he's a quiet guy. He's not super flashy. Yeah. Um, but he is somebody who it is ultimately clear in everything that he does that the most important thing that he cares about with he's got 65 guys in his baseball program. It's a huge program. Tons of responsibility. You know, you think about just shepherding young men yeah. to, in 2019, ages 18 to 22 through that life season. And his passion is to just grow up young men who know and love Christ and who display character. And he over and over again emphasizes that. Um, he's the guy in preseason, in the middle of it, he's got them reading books and, they, and then he'll call on them in a circle and what did you think about this idea? And they're all kind of, you'll see them in the lunchroom, they're all reading their books while they're kind of reading before they have to go to their afternoon session in the middle of, you know, two a days, all that kind of stuff. Does he give them all the, the, same, the same book? He does. He's, he, you know, a couple of years ago he was had them reading some John Gordon stuff Then he had this chop wood book. I mean, all these kinds of things. He's yeah. investing deeply in them and he is somebody that over and over again, they will, they will say, man, that guy... I know he loves me. He cares about me way beyond the game, and he will do anything for me. And he has just been a model of really living out sort of this idea of how do I develop the character of the young men that God places in my program over these years. And he, he talks all the time about, I can't wait to see what they're going to do as husbands, as fathers, as leaders in business, whatever it is. He's like, that's how I measure success for my program is right. what they do then. Right, right. So some cynic would come in and say, like, hey, I'm, I'm glad that you got the character award. Uh, are you are you competitive? Yeah, and he is, and he's a, he's awesome. a really competitive guy, you know, and he was the guy who was, he was bugging me all the time for more resources That's and awesome. more, you know, so that in that way, I love, again, that and idea that can you do this? Yeah. And I think I love that challenge of becoming that, that and place that fuses those two values together. Who are some athletes that you've observed make just kind of quantum leaps forward in their personal or spiritual development as a result of being an athlete in a faith-based program? Yeah. Um, I, had a, I had a guy that was a high school soccer player for me. And uh, so and he, he wasn't, he, he'd tell you he wasn't the most fit guy. He yeah. wasn't the most. And, uh, and he actually kind of was a baseball guy a little bit too. And so he went actually to college, and he was going to play college baseball. Didn't have a great experience there, and actually the goalie on their soccer team got hurt. And so the coach jumped on He played goalie in high school, and he was actually a pretty decent high school soccer goalie. And he got brought in to kind of be the backup at the college, and he, and he fell in love okay. with the game in, I think, a new way and a different way. And all of a sudden, he worked at his fitness. He worked at all these things, and all of a sudden, he's taking them you know, to the national semifinals awesome. of the Division Three thing as, you know, their captain, as their key kind of player making, you know, penalty kick saves. But then more than that, I watched him embrace this vision of how sports and ministry could be connected. And he ends up, you know, playing for the Charlotte Eagles, this Christian soccer team, um, goes down there, starts developing coaching passion and now he's actually the coach of probably the most successful division three college soccer program he's a young coach they've lost like five games in the last five years oh my gosh wow. i mean just phenomenal okay phenomenal guy and again but he's so committed to developing and he would say that that's the that's what as he's grown as an athlete and as a person who understands that sports has a powerful impact on the lives of people and even in the culture 
you know, he's a kid that's been to Africa with me a couple different times okay. in soccer stuff. And, you know, we've partnered together on some projects, you know, his team, our team at Cornerstone, all those kinds of things. And, I, you know, that's I think I'm at that stage where that's probably the thing that I love. One of the things I love most in life is I've got a bunch of guys that I helped coach early on yeah. who are now coaching at colleges, awesome. doing those kinds of things. And they're way better than me. Yeah. from a soccer perspective than I could ever dream of being. And they're doing a phenomenal job leading these programs and developing sort of the next generation of leaders in that, in that athletic context. So cool. So talk to me about Africa. What, yeah. how, how, did you, how, how have you been able to connect what you see happening in the world with the, the, the beauty that sports yeah. can Yeah, can I mean, be? that, it's, well, you just said it's this, and that's, I think, in particular, you know, soccer is this beautiful game that is loved, beloved around the world. And so it started, honestly, with Bono. And Bono was in Wheaton, where I was working at a high school, and I was there with some of my students. And Bono was like, hey, if you don't care about what's going on in Africa in regards to the HIV-AIDS pandemic that was sort of ravaging sub-Saharan Africa in the early 2000s. And so they got kind of lit up and we started this journey of saying, how do we respond and how do we help in this situation? And a bunch of my students started doing some really cool stuff and saying, how do we help provide education and healthcare and all these things that super matter to this one community that was really being impacted deeply by poverty and the HIV crisis. But when we got there, you know, kind of the first trip that we took, it was sort of this you're kind of overwhelmed and, you know, new things, new experiences, new needs that maybe you've not seen before. And you're kind of like, how are we going to connect? Yeah. And all of a sudden we wandered over to this dirt soccer field and we started playing. What country were you in? We were in Zambia. Okay. And um, we started playing. They had some jerseys they had saved for us. They put jerseys on us. They wore their jerseys. There was a guy with a megaphone, you know, like on the sidelines calling out the game in this great Zambian British accent, you know, and, and, uh, and that really started it was just this deep connection between the need that we saw um, and this genuine shared love and passion for this game. Yeah. This game of soccer that really became the thing that in many ways, like, we could always do together. We could right. play together. We could get to know one another. Yeah. Friendships were built in that context. And it wasn't just about Americans and Zambians, but it became people who had this shared thing. And then we began to together ask the questions, how do we serve each other? How do we get to know one another? How do we build relationships? And, and finally, ultimately, we started asking the question, well, in particular, some of our guys started asking the question that I'd bring over there, how do I leverage my gifts as an athlete and the power of sport to help meet some of the needs of my friends on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what came out of that? So, you know, we met a, we met a mom who just told her, told us a quick story about the fact that she had lost her 15 month old because they didn't have enough resource to provide bed nets and her son had gotten bitten by a mosquito at night and infected with malaria. And so our guys said, what could we do? And they're like, let's start a soccer game and let's just see if we could charge people an admission fee that would equal the cost of a bed net. Because okay. we understand now, after talking to people and seeing sort of the need firsthand, that there's a massive need here that we can, and they were like, we don't know what to do. We're college guys. What are we going right. to do? We don't have any money. You know, right. I mean, all those kinds of things. And so they're like, but we know how to play soccer. And they yeah. love soccer. So we started this little thing, called it the Night of Nets match or whatever, and invited people to pay an admission fee that they would typically for a soccer game. That would directly be enough resource to provide a bed net. And then we started kind of building a tradition sort of on our campus and we ended up kind of making some shirts, a 
you know, former student athlete of mine did a design for us and kind of this Night of Nets thing, an African design, and we started selling those shirts. Same thing. Buy a shirt, provide a bed net for a family in sub-Saharan Africa. And yeah. it just, it hit in our campus. And it became, again, I think that internal need that we all have in some ways is we're kind of asking oftentimes that question, like, how do I do something bigger than myself with my life? Yeah. How can I be part of that? And that became a really great thing for our athletic community, but it also for our school, it became sort of a defining narrative of like, I love the fact that our university, one of the feature things that we love doing is taking something that's really important on our campus in athletics, where maybe a third of our students are athletes and connecting that to meeting the needs of people in a really tangible way. On the and is that is that an exhibition game or is that a regular That's a, season game? It's a game? real game. It's a okay. real game. And so, so it counts. And, and then all of a sudden our students and some of our alums and even some of our prospective students would hear about it. And we had a bunch of our teams kind of holding these matches. And they started saying, hey, can we do that? And we're like, well, it's not that hard. really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just literally we've got so, – so I started kind of working on how do I create a little material? How do we create a website? How do we help people get connected to our shirt guy? We have a shirt guy for Night of Nets or whatever, you know. I think he's produced over 10,000 Night of Nets shirts or whatever, you know. That's wild. So now we have about 65 other campuses, both high schools and colleges, that have been part of that. You know, just even last week I was talking to an alum of ours who played soccer at Cornerstone who's now coaching at one of the local high schools here in West Michigan. He's like, all right, I'm all set, man. September 7th, our school versus this other school. Let's do it. And it's just been such a cool way, I think. And it oftentimes becomes like a really popular sort of game or match in that community. You know, Holland Christian and and Holland High School have been doing it for, I think, six or seven years now. One of our alums from Cornerstone. And, you know, that is like kind of the highlight for both of them now of their season is that big Night of Nets sort of crosstown match where they're actually using the power of sport. And literally impacting, you know, lives on, in Africa that are in need. And do you get do you get follow up stories? Like, have you ever had a chance to, to go back to very Zambia? much so? Okay. We, so we've been back a lot, and I think part of the fun then is you know you see the impact of that bed net. You see the way you know, in particular, we partnered with a ministry over there, and they distributed them kind of kind of blanket coverage to try and help reduce malaria and, and they saw a 50 percent reduction rate just in one winter to the next winter simply because of the power of those nets or whatever and that came directly from you know american kids kicking a soccer ball around on the other side of the world okay and and then to ha- and then and we've had them come to us and you know some of our ministry partners they'll come to our night of nets match from zambia um you know, my Zambian friend, my best friend who recently just passed away, he gave one of the greatest, you know, pregame talks ever at our Night of Nets match. And he was all fired up. And so they, our team went out, played really well, and they scored a goal. And this kid who had been to Africa that he knew had scored a goal, actually. And so he took off running onto the field, this, you know, 60-year-old African man That's dashing awesome. out into the field just to give him a big hug. And there was that moment I'm standing on the sidelines and I'm like, this is the power of sport, and I love it being leveraged and used to connect people and to make a difference in the world. It's amazing. Chip, how can people find out more about it if they want to yeah, host a match? Wanna, yeah, if they want to host a match or kind of find out a little bit more about it, you can go to nightofnets.org. That's okay. our website, and it's got all the information, and um, you know, you can get connected to me if you want through that process or whatever, and we'd love to provide some resources if people want to get involved. So when you travel internationally with teams, what makes for a good cross-cultural sports mm 
experience and what are some of the cautions yeah, that you might give people definitely. who are considering doing that? I think, um, you know, a huge piece for us is that we go as learners. Okay. We don't go, you know, even sometimes we've done clinics, we've done all those kinds of things, but we go with a spirit and with an attitude of we're being invited into this, this community and they have so much to offer. And our student athletes even would tell you that their experience has ultimately not been about athletics. In fact, most of the time in Zambia, we, we struggle <laughs> to compete because we play on sort of unfamiliar surfaces for us. Yep. There's a ton of talent out there. Sure. That, and when they know the Americans are coming, they bring the goods and <laughs> yes, all that kind do. of stuff. You yeah, know? Yeah. So we've had, we've had some great matches. But more than that, I think what has made the trip good and powerful and impactful is that having coming with a spirit of willing to learn, okay. understanding their culture, getting to know their stories, that's the most powerful thing is getting our players connected to the people there. Um, one of the beautiful stories is that we met just an amazing young athlete in, in Zambia a few years ago, and now he's actually part of our team here at Cornerstone, and he's, he's been able to come over and get an education that he's excited about using to bring transformation back to his community in Zambia. And has he gone back, or he's still he's enrolled? Still, as he's a still enrolled as a student okay. here, and he's serving as a resident assistant in our dorms, and you know all that kind of stuff. Just an amazing kid, and so that's I think when you travel internationally, at least from our perspective, that's one of the beautiful things we get to be part of is building relationships, hearing stories, understanding their culture, participating in their culture, and then you know it changes us, and we come back with I think a. <laughs> a greater understanding of God, what does it mean to live out our faith in a different way because of the way that we've seen that done in other, in other context. Have you had a chance to travel with your kids in I sports have. related? I have. Okay. And, um, you know, and that's been, I think probably one of the greatest, you know, highlights for us as a family is going to Zambia together and being part of it. And my son and my daughter, both on the soccer field, you know, playing and, kind of just being part of that that community that has meant everything to me. I mean, I, I in many ways, I I talk all the time about it. It's almost was like a second awakening faith-wise for me when I began really? to really understand and be part of the community in Zambia, part of the church in Zambia, and understand kind of God's invitation to help bring this kingdom. And so for our family to do that together, you know, and be part of that um, experience and for them to... You know, we have dear friends now, all of us, you know, on the other side of the world or whatever that we have relationships with. That's um, meant everything. And it's helped, I think, in some ways bring a healthy balance, right, and understanding to us as an American family about what does it mean, you know, <laughs> to live well? What does it mean to care about what's going on in the world? And even to put sort of athletics and sports in perspective and to play. I always tell people, if you ever want to play just purely for joy, go play in that context or whatever too that's it's one of the most uh, oftentimes i'd have really i remember probably the one of the best athletes i've ever coached he turned after one of our matches in zambia or whatever and he had played at a really high level in college and he was amazing high school kid and he said that was by far the most fun i've ever had on a soccer field and he's played in dirt you know yeah against guys bare feet that he's playing against or whatever in that context because the joy and the love of the game is so pure so pure and so just beautiful and so yeah i mean you know they come out running out waving their shawls or whatever all the women would when they would score on us and all that kind of stuff running out of the field and it just yeah pure joy pure beauty of just enjoying the game and enjoying 
the gifts that God had given them. Chip, you've been an AD, and I know you've got a heart for helping other ADs do what they do well and do what they do in a character-building and a Christ-honoring yeah. way. What, what would you say to any ADs who are out there who are trying to reconcile just the demands of the job and their call to yeah. integrity and, and faithfulness right. as they try to I think with Christ? I think, I think two things, Steve. One is, um, you know, as an AD, I think part of it is stay connected to student athletes. I think it's easy sometimes to sort of get so overwhelmed with the administration and the details and you're right, the responsibilities and the pressure and all those kinds of things. And for me, I think that has been a really centering thing is to stay connected to some student athletes who are going through the struggles, but also, you know, have inspired me to say, how can we do some things differently? What does it mean? What do they really want to get out of the athletic experience? as a student athlete and so to stay connected to them and I think the other piece is kind of what we just talked about to create some different types of experiences okay don't just don't buy that you just have to sort of only do (laughs) what everybody else does but take a team and go serve you know in your own city take a team and go serve on the other side of the state take a team and go overseas and help facilitate those kind of experiences because those are the things that ultimately student-athletes will remember, and those are the things that make a difference, and those are the things that give fuel and energy, I think, to you personally. You know, people always talk about, oh, they must be so exhausting. It is exhausting to go to Africa, yeah. but I feel incredibly filled and incredibly resourced to go back into the calling that God has for me when I come back from those trips and those experiences that I've been able to share with our student-athletes. What are some of the lessons that God has been teaching you and your wife about following him in the arena of your kids' sports experience? Mm, I think um, <laughs> that's a great question because that's when it's real, right? It's yeah. when it's your own kids. Yeah. Um, I think for us, probably the biggest thing is how do we um, how do we communicate to him that our approval is not at all based on his performance? Okay. You know, I mean that that seems. I've heard that even, you know, from some other folks who you've talked to, but it just is so central. And how do we in, you know, communicate that we love him, that we care about him, that we're excited about seeing him use his gifts, in particular Trey, my son, who's still performing as an athlete now. And, um, and I think the other piece is, honestly, how do we model even for other parents um, kind of a gentle spirit? spirit that reflects that we understand that there's more to life and we really care about those student athletes and the those you know young men that are out on that field and how do we even with other parents that we have an opportunity to communicate with yeah get to know how do we just embrace those relationships and it's not based upon whether your kid's good or not or how competitive you are or all those kinds of things but how do we model that as a fan as a fellow parent yeah you know I think that piece is pretty important in the process as well, too. So for the dads who struggle with their own understanding of, of gentleness, whether it's with their athlete or whether it's with refs or other <laughs> athletes, what what encouragement do you have? Like, what? That's a great question. I think, um, I think it's always that idea of, like, hey, can I get outside of myself for a moment okay. and put myself 
in my son or daughter's shoes. Okay. You know, and then, and also put myself in the referee's shoes, put myself yeah. in somebody else's sort of shoes. And I, for me, that's always the perspective, you know, I think being a coach, having to deal with referees, having to sort of lead on that level or whatever, it has helped me so much to be able to say, okay, Chip, step outside of your own sort of fire, which is good and healthy maybe, yep, yep. and step outside of it and just think about what somebody else's experience is. And then the other piece, you know, for me, and maybe this is maybe a little easier as you get older, yeah. but is to say, hey, I got to think about the end game here. Yeah. Like 99.9% of these kids that we're watching now or whatever, they are not going to make a living off their <laughs> playing in an sure. athletic context. Sure. And so what is really... Because I think most parents, most adults, they they believe that idea. They want to, that sports is hopefully going to help teach character and help develop their kids into the kind of kids they want them to be. Yeah. But it requires, I think, sometimes being able to go down further and say, hey, what's the end game here? This is not this, because this really isn't about this moment. Right. It's not about this game. It's really about the future of who my son or daughter, who even that coach is going to be, who that referee is going to be, and what's the end game. And how if I can live sort of with somebody else in mind and their experience, and I can also think about the end game and what I really want to see here and where this is all headed, hopefully maybe that impacts and sort of calms me down and says, hey, in this moment, it's okay. What's your prayer for your son this season? I think my prayer is that, um, you know, one, he'll be challenged. Like, I, I mean, I think that's the beauty of sport, you know, is you're put in pressure situations. When he's defending and, you know, some kid's coming down on him to score a goal and he's got to react and respond, I love the fact that he's challenged and he's growing in maturity. That's one of my prayers is that, you know, his participation in athletics will help him mature and grow and become, you know, more confident in who he is and the gifts that God has given him. But also my prayer is that he will build relationships with his coach, with his fellow kind of athletes that will honestly make a difference for a lifetime. I think about the coaches that I've had, the high school guys that I played with, and some of those are people, especially even the college guys that I played, those are people that have impacted the rest of my life. And so my prayer is that he'll he'll have this challenging growing piece and probably you know, and that he'll obviously meet and develop the kind of relationships that only a team context I think can have that really matter. And ultimately that he'll just have he'll just have a blast. He'll experience the joy of using a gift that God has given him and to play this game that, you know, people around the world love. And just to say in in the midst of what the record is, how successful they are, man, every day I get to go out and I get to play this game and enjoy it and it just sort of soak in that joy. Awesome. Hey, Chip, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you being an early fan of the show and I appreciate you carving out a big chunk of your summer to to step in and share some of your thoughts with us. No, I love being part of this. I'm so thrilled that you're doing this, Steve. I think it's addressing a topic that is so important in our culture. So thanks for your work doing it. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. You bet. Chip says the Center for Ethics argues the better athlete you are, your character really doesn't develop. It typically gets worse. So are we really helping athletes become people of character, or do we push them so hard that it compromises their character? Chip also said on his first trip to Zambia, he was kind of overwhelmed, but he wanted to ask, how do I leverage the power of sport to help meet the needs of my friends on the other side of the world? 
Is there a way that your team can meet the needs of somebody in your own town, your school, or even another country? I want to encourage you to check out Chip's site, nightofnets.org, and consider starting something like it with your tennis, basketball, volleyball, or soccer team. Pretty much anybody who uses a net. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and badsoccerdad.org. Thanks again to Chip for joining me today. Thanks also to our producer, Jessica Behrens, and our engineer, Dwight Beal. And thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next week.